Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hello. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 11, Night Out. In this episode, Ryan visits the Scranton branch, Jim has a proposal, and Michael and Dwight go clubbing. The cold open of this episode really just plays up Michael being just this hapless idiot. He shows up in not a very good mood because he has gum in his hair, and it is kind of difficult to figure out how exactly that happened. He says that he was walking into the office and he saw something shiny underneath Stanley's car. And so he went to go look at it and he ends up with gum in his hair. Now, are we to assume the gum was on the ground, I guess? I think what what would have happened is that the gum would have been on the ground and Michael would have had to turn his head to the side to look under the car. Right. And so... But the gum would have had to have been, like, recently chewed and discarded for in sure. order for it to stick to his hair. It would have had to be a alignment of a lot of stars here. Unfortunately for Michael, it was not a quarter. It was just a piece of foil. And so this leads to Michael and Dwight trying the old wives' tale remedy of putting peanut butter on the gum slash on the hair in order to get it out. Now, I've never had to do this. I don't think I've ever gotten gum in my hair. And so I don't know if this actually works or not. I've heard an ice cube where you just harden, like it essentially just hardens the gum and you can then just pull it out. But I don't know what peanut butter does. I think peanut butter, I think the oils in peanut butter are supposed to slide the gum off the strands of hair. Okay. I'm pretty sure it works. I don't recall if I have ever had to do that. I don't think I've ever gotten gum in my hair or anything sticky to that degree. Unfortunately, again, Dwight and Michael don't really know how this is supposed to work. So Dwight has put half the jar of the peanut butter on Michael's hair and scalp and is now massaging the peanut butter into his head, really not even worrying about the piece of gum. So they've wasted nearly half the jar. We have two just dumb Michael lines in this cold open where... Pam suggests that Michael use peanut butter and Michael goes, oh, I don't feel like peanut butter. Give me an ice cream sandwich. (laughs) Not knowing that the peanut butter is to get the gum out. And then as Dwight is massaging the peanut butter into Michael's head, he comments about how good it smells. And Dwight looks at the jar and goes, ooh, a lot of calories though. And Michael goes, eh, we just won't leave it in very long then. As if he was absorbing the calories. Like through his head. Yeah. And that's, these are the type of lines to where, and we've talked about it before on this podcast, like there's a line between being a buffoon and just being an absolute idiot. And a line such as we won't leave it on very long is just absolute idiocy. Because I, I mean, I guess that 
could happen, but you just wouldn't have any sort of understanding of, like, biology. We start the episode off with the accounting department being pretty upset about a memo that they have received. The order has come down from corporate, specifically from Ryan, yes, that everyone in the Scranton office has to come in on Saturday in order to re-enter sales that they had made over the phone as sales that were made through the website. And Ryan shows up at the Scranton branch to kind of further explain the reasoning behind all of this. He says that this is just kind of a temporary measure to increase the legitimacy of the website, which... Makes no sense. Makes some (laughs) sense, I guess. It It is very much a facade in that case and ryan knows that his reputation and his job is tied to this website because he was the one that came in and really pushed for this to happen and so he is trying to make the website look more popular than it actually is now this seems innocent enough but in future episodes we will see that this is This takes on a more nefarious side. There's an awful lot of mentions in this season of working late or working weekends uh, for things that seemingly could be done during the day, it seems like. And apparently there are a magnitude of issues with the website. It's been shut down for a little bit. Uh, Ryan said that the sales couldn't have been entered on the website like he wanted because the website wasn't working then. The social networking feature has been infiltrated by sexual predators and the general tenor of the meeting uh, of the staff with Ryan is disgruntlement. Stanley makes a good point. He's having to spend time on the phone with his clients helping them through the website and he doesn't actually get commission for that. So I can't tell if the website is like a money-saving thing for the company as a whole because then they don't have to pay out commission. It doesn't quite make sense because typically in those situations, you would have like a code and you'd be the client of one of those salesmen and you would use that code when you place an order on the website and then that salesman would get the credit. I think the main issue here is that it's something that we discussed earlier on this season when we saw Ryan coming in with these kind of big ideas and it was kind of a sign of the times thing. And we see it kind of explained further here where, and it is brought up by Dwight of why does a website for a paper company have a social media function at all? And this is where you kind of see just, like I said, that sign of the times thing, because at this time, the internet was kind of expanding in its use. And so you had companies like a paper company like Dunner Mifflin who thought, oh, our site can be the one where people come to hang out. Like people can do all the things on our site. And so they can chat with people and no one's going to do that on a paper company's website. Not at all. And Ryan's response to these things is a very much a, like a tech bro 
canned response that you would sure. that was very popular in the mid 2000s we want this to be like a consumer experience you could see mark uh zuckerberg saying something like that at like a facebook convention and that's what everyone was trying to get their website to be and there's still that to this day of okay well we have to have every form of social media like we have to have a presence and we have to have a brand and things like that and so ryan's just sort of an early pioneer of those things and unfortunately the website has just not done its job he tells the staff that dunder mifflin infinity 2.0 will be launching soon but tbd so it's really not going to fully fix the problems and the meeting doesn't end well at all It really ends with Kelly asking Ryan, how dare you, in the Q&A session. And then Michael just doing a slow clap and saying that Ryan had done good. And then Ryan just kind of has this weird interaction with Jim in the break area where Jim kind of pulls Ryan aside and talks to him one-on-one and says, hey, I think the thing that we have going for us is our customer service and the one-on-one experience that we have with our clients and you lose that with the website. And Ryan's like, you know what? I hear what you're saying. I can tell that you have thought a lot about this. And David Wallace also appreciates your input considering you talked to him about it at the Christmas party. And so I'm not sure why this is a bad thing that Jim has done, like why it gets brought up and why Ryan kind of brings it up in this like gotcha moment. I think Ryan is really insecure about his place in corporate and he feels like Jim maybe went outside the hierarchy and I don't understand why that would be unless Ryan feels like since this is his brainchild and Jim is complaining about this to David and trying to go behind his back and so Ryan is actually really uh, threatening in response and tells Jim that he needs to watch his back. As Ryan is getting ready to leave Michael is just a weirdo with him and gives him a hug and, you know, says he's good. it's good to see him. And Michael opens up to Ryan about a problem that he is having that he has shared throughout this episode and really in the previous episode as well. As we covered last episode, Michael is now single and is trying to date. And apparently he is still having problems that really center around what we had talked about in the previous episode where he is going on dates with people that are smart and interesting and easy to talk to, but they don't look like, as Michael says in this episode, Cindy Crawford. And Michael is going to be single for a really long time if that's the bar that he's setting. He's putting looks above everything else. And he asked Ryan if he knows any girls from New York that he could set Michael up with. Ryan immediately just says no, but then kind of as an aside or maybe as a brag says, you should see the girls I meet at clubs. It's amazing. Which then to Michael's brain is an invitation. Yeah, not it's not just the common phrase of you should see this. Michael takes it as, you should literally see these people. Yeah. Come and see them. I'm inviting you to come out and go party with me. And so Michael takes Ryan up on this fake invite. 
And he asks Jim if he wants to go to New York and go clubbing with him. They're both single guys, so they would have a good time. And Jim points out that he is still dating Pam. And so Michael goes to his second choice, which is (laughs) Dwight. Andy wants to come along on this adventure, saying that the old ball and chain has been more chain than ball lately, which is just awful. And Angela rightfully objects, and she's standing right there. Dwight instantly shuts this down, saying it's a singles only, and three's an unlucky number. Michael is pretty convinced that this is the night he's going to meet his soulmate, so he doesn't want any bad voodoo. And Dwight and Michael go to New York. They have called Ryan's assistant, and they literally go straight to the club where Ryan is at, called Club Prerogative. And watching Michael and Dwight in the clubs that they go to is a window into just how bad both of them are at flirting and talking to women. Or, especially in Dwight's case, social interaction in general. Very much so. It is painfully awkward to watch Michael interact with any of these women. At the first club, he talks with this girl who looks like she is 15. She has a back tattoo, and Michael is saying that he wants a back tattoo, and it would say, Back to the Future. And the girl has never heard of the movie. She then asks how old Michael is. He says in his 40s, and that's her time to bolt, she decides. Ryan is weirdly and overly excited by the fact that Michael and Dwight are there and are there to party with him and his friend Troy. Speaking of Troy, Dwight has focused on Troy's appearance. Troy is a rather short man. Dwight keeps asking him questions about him being a hobbit, essentially, which probably wouldn't go over very well with somebody who has probably heard a lot of that in their life. And Dwight is weirdly serious. Like, he thinks hobbits are real, and he's very into J.R.R. Tolkien, and he just keeps harping on this. Ryan keeps going to the bathroom and we see him like shaking and really jittery and we're supposed to infer at this point that he's doing lines of cocaine in the bathroom. Dwight is getting concerned because he thinks Ryan has a kidney or a bladder infection and says that he's going to order him a glass of cranberry juice. Michael has clearly never been to a club. He tries to order chicken fingers from the cocktail waitress and instead asks for two glasses, one full of olives and the other with marshino cherries, so they clearly have not eaten dinner before coming down to New York City. After Michael points out that he feels like they are in a sexy preschool, Ryan says that they can go somewhere else to meet older women. And so at the next club, Michael is having a chat with another woman, and they seem to be getting along okay. The woman asks, what does Michael do? And he says that he's a bank teller because Ryan told him to always tell women that you're in finance. And so Michael takes this very literally when his actual job, he could just say he's a regional manager or something. And that sounds a lot more impressive than being a bank teller. The only reason that they were able to get into this club 
is because while they were standing in line, Dwight was so intrigued by this group of women in front of him. And it turns out, like, they're very tall women. It turns out that they are the Jersey State women's basketball team, and they just won, it sounds like a conference championship, and they're out celebrating. Ryan tries to get the bouncer to let him in. The bouncer won't let him in without women, so Dwight takes advantage of his new connection to get all of them in to this club. The women are super intrigued by Dwight. They try to uh, give him a drink, and he pours it down the drain because he is afraid of getting roofied. (laughs) In the end, though, Dwight makes out with one of the girls, uh, and Michael takes a picture of it and then sends it around to everyone from the office. This is another addition into the just the weird plot line that they have that goes throughout this entire show of Dwight kind of being a ladies' man and women are attracted to him. It is very, very odd, especially because, and especially in this episode where he is just so socially awkward. Yeah. And, you know, he asks these women, he was like, well, how did you all meet? How how did all you tall people come together? He calls them Amazons. Yeah. Michael is not having Dwight's luck here. The woman that he told that he's a bank teller says that she just needs to run to the bathroom. And Michael thinks she's coming back. He thinks that this is a real love connection He's seen telling Ryan that he thinks that he wants to have her meet his mom. Later, when the camera spots this woman talking with another man and being flirty, Michael is just absolutely crushed. And really, the the pinnacle comes, the pinnacle of awkwardness comes when Michael is still in the club and has called his mom to, I guess, give her an update on the night. Can you imagine? Uh, And then... Michael has to cut the conversation short, though, because Ryan is kind of getting beat up by some women because he's dancing super aggressively because the cocaine has made him coked out, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they get kicked out of the club, and Troy very abruptly leaves, but not before saying to Michael and Dwight to not take Ryan to the hospital. And so they get back to Ryan's apartment, and Ryan's like, you guys can crash here. It's one night only. And Ryan essentially just passes out. He, But not before asking for Dwight and Michael's advice. He says he thinks his friend Troy has a drug problem. It's clear he's talking about himself. And he wonders what he should do. He doesn't get any good advice from either of them. Michael says he's watching The Wire. So his only advice is to set up the people selling the drugs. But for Michael, this was, in his words, the best night ever. And he said part of what was hard was the loneliness. And how could he be lonely if he was out with his boys? And for him, that sort of filled his cup and was enough to sustain him for probably a little bit. Like he was probably feeling down and low and just having a night out. And quite frankly, the only way that Ryan was willing to have a night out with him was when he was high on drugs. So that's probably not great. But he really did have a good time with Dwight and Ryan. Back at the office, Jim has come up with this plan to avoid having to work on Saturday. And that is to have everyone just kind of stick around for a couple extra hours and they can get all their work done that night. People go along with it. 
and they finish up at about nine o'clock and everybody's getting ready to leave and it turns out they are locked into the parking lot the security guard has left closed the gate locked it so nobody is going anywhere they figure that they can go back into the office in order to call the security guard but unfortunately Pam locked the office door behind them and they can't get back in so they are all sitting around in the lobby trying to figure out what to do next and this is a pretty extended uh, B plot you could say people are mad and Stanley's the one that sort of leads this charge at Jim and Pam for getting them into this mess and they didn't leave until 9.05 which is kind of really late for me I would have rather done the Sunday morning I think or the Saturday morning for sure rather than stay till nine I mean I don't I hopefully they took a dinner break or something so you know a couple things ensue Toby had the security guards number his home number in his phone just randomly so Jim decides he's going to be the one to call it I'm not sure why but he doesn't know the security card's name no one can really remember it and so they're trying to get him to come out Creed remembers it Creed turns (laughs) out to be correct in saying what the security guard's name is which is Hank that's true they find a football they're gonna play they're gonna throw around this football in the parking lot it seems like they just have a ton of time to kill Eventually, it gets late enough to where the cleaning crew shows up. And so Jim grabs Oscar to come with him so he can ask cleaning crew to unlock the gate. Which they would have had to do anyways to get in. Yeah, exactly. And so the cleaning crew does so and everyone leaves. And the episode ends where we see Hank show up because in their haste to leave, no one called Hank back and said, hey, you don't need to come anymore. We got out of here. The cleaning crew did this. And while they're waiting, everyone figures out that no one tipped Hank this past Christmas, but they should try to do, give him a big one this Christmas. And Phyllis says, well, Jim was the one that was supposed to organize that. So again, everyone's just piling on and Jim and Pam's mistakes keep piling up. While they're trying to throw around the football, Pam threw it and hit Meredith really hard in the side of the face at a close angle. We also get a very weird couple of interactions with Toby. As Antoinette said, Toby is the one that had Hank's phone number on his phone and Pam is super excited about the fact that he has this and she's like, oh yeah, nice way to go, Toby, and just kind of gives him like a playful shove. And we know Toby's feelings towards Pam And so he is really happy to kind of play hero here for Pam. And then when he finds the football, he immediately goes to Pam and is like, you want to toss it around? I can teach you how to throw this. And so Pam's like, oh, I already know how to do that. And so they're going to get ready to play this game of catch until Pam smokes Meredith in the side of the face. Finally... They are all just kind of sitting around waiting for Hank to show up. And Pam says that it's a bummer that they actually didn't get to go in tomorrow because Michael would have had some crazy theme party planned. And Toby makes a joke about that that's really not all that funny. No. And everybody laughs and he is sitting right next to Pam and he like just puts his 
hand on her knee. Yeah. And just leaves it there. Upper thigh. Yeah. And everyone kind of looks in shock at this. And Toby is immediately just horrified and takes this opportunity to announce that he is moving to Costa Rica. Then he says, I'm just going to hop the gate and run home. And he does just that. He is so mortified by this really creeper move that he does. It's a pretty tall fence, too. And he makes it, and he just runs off. And that pretty much wraps up the episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. This episode was written by Mindy Kaling. And since everything primarily occurs at night, the entire episode was shot at night. So I guess that scene between Toby and Pam when Toby puts uh, his hand on her leg was shot at like 2.30 a.m. on a Friday. Kate Flannery didn't use a stunt double for getting beamed in the head by the football. But Paul Lieberstein, they did use a stunt double for him because the director just wasn't cool uh, with having Paul Lieberstein jump the fence and and just be able to land without injury and like curtis said there's definitely some foreshadowing that's being laid uh in this episode for ryan's character development curtis did anyone get fired yes we lose michael again for pretty much the same reason that we lost him last episode he is just openly talking about his sex life and in this specific case how horny he is just openly in the office and he's really demanding that his co-workers and his subordinates find someone for him to date so it is michael's eighth firing this season it's his 34th overall again daryl watch continues because he wasn't in this episode at all <laughs> right do you have a dundee to give out uh yes the dundee for it always sounds better than it actually is goes to clubbing and I did enjoy going to clubs like back in the day, but as I've gotten older, anything with way too loud of music and too crowded of spaces is just not fun. But even back in the day, it always sounded more fun. Like, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to meet people. It's actually really hard to meet someone in a club. Mm -hmm. Unless you just want to randomly dance with someone you know, maybe make out. That's all it's good for. The beer is going to be four times the price than it should be, or the mixed drinks. You lose everyone you came with. Don't wear anything nice. You're going to get it spilled all over. It's just one of those things that it always looks better sometimes in movies, but I think this episode is actually like a good depiction because they're just sitting in some chairs at some point, kind of just sitting around, which is sometimes what happens when you go to a club or a bar. Right. And you don't actually meet with meet anyone. And for me, I was never the person that was meeting someone in a club. Like it was all my girlfriends that came with me or the volleyball team, just like how that basketball team went out. Everyone else was meeting someone. And I was like, oh my God, this is not as fun as I thought it was going to be. What is your Dundee? The Chickens Coming Home to Roost Award goes to Jim because this episode is another thing that kind of just shows his lack of effort in things and just kind of how nonchalantly he carries on through life. Like his idea of sticking around to work 
instead of coming in on Saturday probably seemed like a good thing. But then, as we said, it's nine o'clock when everybody leaves. Was that really that good of a thing? You stayed four extra hours mm-hmm. and you like your nights ruined. Would you would have would you rather not have had your Friday night and then just not had a Saturday morning and you still would have had plenty of time to do whatever it was you were going to do mm-hmm. in Saturday afternoon. And then he doesn't think through that maybe I should let somebody know that we're sticking around. Side note though, don't you think Hank when he was leaving the office and was getting ready to lock up the gate would have noticed that all the cars were still there and gotten a hold of somebody yeah that's a good point and he does seem kind of apathetic hank in some ways but yeah to see pretty much again like we've said last episode those are pretty much just all the dunder mifflin employee cars wouldn't that ring a bell and then we learn that Jim was supposed to be the one that got together the tip money for Hank, and he probably was just like, yeah, I'll do that, and then didn't do it. He hung out at Pam's desk instead. Right. And so that may or may not be the reason Hank isn't exactly in a hurry to leave his house at 9 o'clock at night to come let all these people out. Yeah. Who was your employee of the month? I chose Dwight because he was the only person... Uh, in the night out that actually found someone. Um, And he, the basketball player that he first talked to in the line at the club, was really into him and didn't want him to leave when when Ryan got kicked out and was kind of begging him to call her. And as he walked away, he's like, I'm not going to call her. (laughs) Who's your employee of the month? I have Dwight for the exact same reasons, (laughs) even though he is, like we said, amazingly awkward in this episode yeah there's just something i guess about him like his alphaness that attracts women i guess could be yeah so that does it for this week's episode please follow us on twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and continue listening to us on google podcasts apple podcasts spotify wherever you're listening to us be sure to rate subscribe like and comment wherever you can In order to get our name out there, we appreciate you guys listening to us, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.